What's going on, guys, and welcome back to the Crew Sports Pod. Got another special one here today. I'm Michael Joaquim, as always, joined here by Vito Patel. You ready to get into these New Year's Six Bowls, Vito? I'm so excited. This is my favorite time in the college football season. Yeah, this is it. This is what we wait all year for, the big New Year's Six. And so in today's pod, uh, we're basically breaking down the New Year's Six games. We'll start off with the Peach Bowl. It's going to be December 30th at 7 p.m. You got number 10 Michigan State taking on number 12 Pittsburgh. And I think the biggest headline going into this, both teams lost their their like Heisman caliber players. Kenneth Walker will be out for Michigan State, and Kenny Pickett will be out for Pitt. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. The big hype around this game was to see Kenneth Walker and Kenneth, Kenny Pickett uh, play against each other, and two really uh, highly ranked Heisman uh, candidates. I mean, that's two of the six best players in the country you're talking about who won't play the game, which is going to make the game a lot less entertaining. That's what I was watching the game for, but they both declare for the draft, so we won't see either of them. Um, interesting how that, that really changes both teams, because like, Definitely the run game was a focus on Michigan State's offense and, you know, Pitt's offense was completely through Kenny Pickett. I mean, there's there's just so much loss with both those weapons, too, because, I mean, I don't think Michigan State's that balanced of a team. They relied heavily on Kent Walker's production. And like, a lot of their passes uh, were a result of good rushing and defense playing close in, in the box. And as for Kenny Pickett, like what can't he do? He's such a good quarterback, and he—I mean—he was even known for that fake slide. Like he could do it all. They're both gonna miss those guys dearly. Yeah, was, that fake slide was a crazy move. Yeah. Um, I think losing your quarterback is bigger than even though you know the offense is very run focused, and they did do a lot through Kenneth Walker. I think losing Kenny Pickett hurts a lot more, especially because the backup two quarterbacks. I think I, I read this somewhere earlier today. The backup two quarterbacks have thrown like 18 passes combined all year. Oh, wow. That's big an experience. Yeah, they have not played at all all year. Both those teams, uh, I mean, going through their schedule, they both did a good job winning most of their games. Uh, I mean, Michigan State played a few closer games than Pittsburgh. But the big thing is they do have one similar opponent in Miami and Pittsburgh lost to Miami and Michigan State beat Miami. That's not like so set in stone because anything can happen on any given day. But like you're saying, the big thing is losing a quarterback is a lot bigger than losing a running back. And I'm sure uh, Michigan State will be fine losing Kenneth Walker because they could probably replace the production uh, in the passing game. But I don't know if losing Kenny Pickett's going to be that good for Pittsburgh. And actually, one of the big things is Michigan State ranks dead last in the country in uh, passing defense. They give up 337 yards a game. Pittsburgh was definitely looking forward to taking advantage of that with Kenny Pickett, but hopefully the backup could take advantage of that. You know what else hurts Pittsburgh? Their offensive coordinator is not going to be their coach either. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's... yeah their offense is going to take a huge hit. Yeah, they could have they just torched Michigan State, but I don't know. That's going to be interesting. Uh, right now, the line is Michigan State by two and a half. Do you think they cover? I think Michigan State covers. I don't think Pittsburgh stays within that three. Uh, they lost too much between offensive coordinator and a quarterback. Yeah. And then, and this is one of the top-ranked offenses. They're number three in scoring offense in country. Well, they were. I don't think the, I don't think they're going to be anywhere close to that. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's that's what I'm gonna get. Without Kenny yeah. Pickett, I don't think they're in the top three at all. And I I would say Michigan State uh, wins and covers two and a half. I say Michigan State's pass defense caught a huge break with Pickett declaring. I think Michigan State covers the spread in that one. Uh, moving on, we've got the Rose Bowl on New Year's Day at five. This is gonna be a good game. Ohio State versus Utah, six versus eleven. I love the Rose Bowl. The best New Year's Six Bowl, in my opinion. Yeah, historically, uh, yeah, the Rose Bowl is always pretty good. Yeah, but this one, there are a few players sitting out. Uh, from Ohio State, they got two first-round receivers sitting out in Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. Uh, and then they also have Haskell Garrett, a defensive tackle, who's a projected top three-round pick, as well as Nicholas Petit Frere, who's projected a second-round pick for Ohio State. But with that being said, Ohio State just super loaded with talent. Yeah, I think going into this game, I think Ohio State was definitely the better team. But, you know, losing all these first, second, third round players makes this a lot more even. That's true. Yeah, I guess when you think of top three rounds, that's top 100 players in a draft class. If you're losing four top 100 players, that's, mm-hmm. yeah, that's quite a lot. And also, like, Ohio State is the number one scoring offense. Pittsburgh was three, but Ohio State's the number one. But uh, they're also losing big weapons in Olavin, Garrett Wilson. Uh, so now we're going to really see how good C.J. Stroud is when he doesn't have three NFL receivers to throw to. He He's only, only got one. one now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, he probably has uh, NFL running back in Trevion Henderson, uh, who averages seven yards a carry. He's really good. So, I mean, they'll be fine, but it won't be the same. I don't think they're going to be as explosive as when they had all three of them. Yeah, but it'll be interesting because I think Utah's pass defense is pretty good. They're not like the top, but they're, they're, I think they're pretty solid. They're up there. At, I think they're ranked like fourth or something like that in, in pass breakups and they get a decent amount of interceptions, but CJ Stroud has been pretty good at keeping the ball, not turning it over. So, no, I mean, that would be a good matchup. And, yeah, the Utah defense is really good, uh, especially De- linebacker Devin Lloyd. Uh, you're telling me about him uh, opting out of the first round, I mean, a potential first-round pick last year by uh, staying for one more year. And he did a great job staying with the team as he leads the teams in tackles and interceptions, and he's second in the team with eight sacks. Yeah, that's a do-it-all guy on defense. Wow. Yeah. So the line for this one is Ohio State by four and a half. Who do you got here? This one's actually really tough because I I feel like I don't really know how good Utah really is, especially given that their only common opponent is Oregon. And while you know Ohio State lost Oregon, you Utah destroyed them twice. I think I think Utah plays really well, and they're not as star studded as Ohio State, but you know together they play better. Uh, with that being said, I still can't go against Ohio State. I think they win, and they barely cover. I think it's a touchdown game. I think it's a close game for sure. Yeah, actually, I, I have similar similar feeling to you. I can't say Ohio State keeps this within five. I think they're just too good. And from Utah, they start off the year one and two. Obviously, they ended the last 10 games nine and one. But, you know, looking back at their year, their only real wins, like the real good wins, were destroying Oregon twice, which is impressive, but I didn't see much else out of them. Yeah, no, and exactly. And they lost, they lost three games, and I don't think any of those three opponents were 
as respectable as Ohio State's losses, which were to Oregon and Michigan, who made the playoffs. Yeah. So, I mean, they probably played good against Oregon twice, and that, I mean, that's what brought them here. But maybe they just have Oregon's number, you know? Yeah, both teams have been getting better, though, as the year goes on. But we still both got Ohio State by at least five. Yeah. i say it's around touchdown game, too. I, I, I like that. I agree with that. All right, next, also on New Year's Day, we got the Sugar Bowl. Number seven, Baylor, taking on number eight, Ole Miss. And this game is close. Spread is only Ole Miss by one. And honestly, I actually think that's a reasonable spread because as good as Ole Miss is and how well they did in the SEC, that Baylor team just looked really mean when they played Oklahoma State. They're just such a good defensive team. And it'd be be so fun to see that defense go against Matt Corral. One of the key things to this game is going to be how well Ole Miss's offensive line can protect Corral because Baylor's defensive line, they have four players with at least four sacks. So oh, wow. they got people coming from anywhere. Yeah, no, they come in fast too. Yeah, so you can't you can't like single out like, oh, this side of the line is good or this player, you got to watch this guy. So anyone can have a big game on that D-line and cause problems if they find like a matchup they like. So Ole Miss got to be careful for that. I was going to say uh, one of the things about Baylor's defense, too, is they force a lot of takeaways. And I mean, one of the best ways to put it is Oklahoma. I saw this earlier. Oklahoma State's quarterback Saunders has thrown 12 interceptions in the year, but seven of those interceptions came against playing Baylor twice. Like they, they create takeaways and that's how they win against big opponents because that pass rush goes crazy and they have such a solid secondary uh, led by Jalen Petrie. And then in addition, they also have pretty solid running game uh, led by Abram Smith, too. Who converted from linebacker back to running back. <laughs> Which is crazy. And he's just a big bulldozer of a man. That, yeah, that was another thing I wanted to, to mention. Baylor's run game against Ole Miss's front seven. Because Ole Miss is not a very good run defense. And normally when you're playing people in the Big 12, like the Big 12 is very known for being like an aired out type of whole conference really there's every team on there is just throws the ball everywhere but Baylor's not like that they they go run first I'd say and that could also cause problems for Ole Miss so as good as Ole Miss has been this year as good as their offense led by Matt Corral I could see Baylor taking this game I definitely could too and honestly I think this line was one point for a good reason because this is as even as it gets though i will say with the storyline of corral deciding to come back and play this game unlike most uh superstar players who are sitting out there near six bowls i respect that from corral and i doubt his team doesn't rally around him but i mean i mean everybody wants to win a near six bowl so i can't just say that's only fair for Ole miss so you're going Ole miss yeah i'm gonna go for Ole miss I think they have, you have to cover one point, but I think it's really going to be a close game, <laughs> like seven or less. All right, all right. I'm going to actually go against you for the first time. I think Baylor don't roll over for Matt Corral's comeback story. Okay. And I say they build off of that big win in the Big 12 championship. I'll take Baylor for this one. This will be interesting. I respect that. I literally was 50-50 on this, so... The next New Year's Six Bowl, we got Notre Dame in Coach Freeman's head coaching debut versus number nine, Oklahoma State. That game excites me a lot because did you know outside of the college football playoffs, this is the only near six bowl with both teams having 11 wins. Really? I did not realize that. 
these guys are both really good teams. And honestly, both of them were so close to make the playoffs. And unfortunately, neither of them did. But fortunately, they get to play each other. And the current spread is Notre Dame's fared by one and a half. And it's really just, it really is that close. Something that makes makes this game a lot closer is that Kyron Williams and Kyle Hamilton are not going to play for Notre Dame. I've never seen so many people opt out of like New Year's Six Bowls to go get ready for the draft. This was yeah. crazy. Facts. Yeah. So, and so many stars too. By far, I think Kyle, Kyle Hamilton and Kyron Williams are two best players. Definitely. And yeah, not having them is going to be tough, but I, I think it could be done, especially Kyle Hamilton. Like our defense has learned to live without him and the last few weeks have been pretty dominant. But without Kyron, that one scares me a little. But I don't know. Do you remember that game against Virginia when Logan Diggs, that freshman running back, like hurdled that defender? Yeah. Like I think he's I think he's gonna be pretty good. So I don't know. I'm kind of excited to see Logan Diggs play more. I am too. Like I think Logan Diggs is talented, but I think missing Kyron's really gonna hurt because Oklahoma State's defense is not bad. Like they're ranked third overall, they're seventh in scoring. They on average give up about 17 points per game. And their run defense is what's good. And our run offense is not great. So I think not having Kyron's going to hurt. No, it's definitely going to hurt because that, that is the only thing we could do to combat that ferocious Oklahoma State defense. But you said they were number seven in scoring defense, but number nine in scoring defense is Notre Dame. So, I mean, that's that's what we have to combat them. I think it's going to be a defensive battle. Uh, both defenses are furious. And frankly, I don't really think Oklahoma State's offense is that good. Yeah, I don't think this game gets very high scoring. I don't think it goes past like the mid twenties. I think it might look a lot like like Oklahoma State's uh, Big Twelve championship game. Yeah, actually, that's that's a great point. Yeah, because Baylor's defense is ferocious, Notre Dame's defense is ferocious. I think that's gonna be similar. I think and Notre Dame's defense does a good job creating takeaways. I want to say that this being Jack Cohn's last game, I want to see him ball out, and I think. He can because I don't think we're going to have a good chance of running the ball against him. And so he's going to need to find Michael Mayer and Kevin Austin and just create those mismatches in the passing game. Because Oklahoma State's big strength on their defense is their front seven led by two linebackers, uh, Malcolm Rodriguez and Devin Harper. And, you know, get away from those linebackers, throw the ball, I think is our strategy here. I think Jack Cohen has to have a big game against Oklahoma State's secondary. And on the flip side, for Notre Dame's defense, they just need to contain Oklahoma State's quarterback, Spencer Sanders. And I think that starts with Isaiah Foskey up front. Absolutely. He's a wrecking ball. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely the, the new leader of that defense now that Kyle Hamilton's gone. Yeah, I, I agree. And I really think uh, our team is defensive-oriented. Uh, Marcus Freeman will love a game like this, especially being his first game as a head coach. He doesn't have to worry about us scoring the opponent. He just needs his defense to take advantage I think Oklahoma State's going to try and do the same thing, though. That's true. But Oklahoma State's uh, defensive coordinator, Jim Knowles, just left and he accepted an offer to Ohio State. I mean, I'm sure their def- defense is going to be just fine because not a single one of Oklahoma State's players is missing the game, which is kind of crazy. I mean, now that I know that like, every team has a player missing the game. So they're all in, too. Notre Dame one and a half. Yeah, that's tough. I mean, I'm not going to pick against Notre Dame, and I yeah. think if they win, they're going to win by a little more than one and a half points. But this would be big. I'm going to say Notre Dame wins its first near six slash BCS bowl game win since 1993. And I think they do it. I think they win this game. And I think they win by about a touchdown. I think that we would win by a touchdown or maybe a little bit more. I don't see it being super close either. 
Really? I think it's going to end up like like 23-17 or something like that. So I think I'm thinking a touchdown or a little less maybe. Oh, okay. I mean, yeah, I mean I'm thinking like the 7 to 10 point range. Yeah. But I don't yeah, I'm not saying it's a blowout by any means. I I respect Oklahoma State. They're a great team and most importantly, I don't think we're going to score that many points for it to be a blowout. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's the yeah. big part. All right, moving on to the college football playoff games now. We got the Cotton Bowl on New Year's Eve. The newcomers, number four, Cincinnati, the first ever group of five team to make the playoffs versus the top team for the past decade, the greatest dynasty in college football ever, number one, Alabama. This is really a story of David versus Goliath. And funny enough, Will Anderson's confused on who the David and who the Goliath is. (laughs) (laughs) I saw that. Uh, Because he thinks Alabama's underdog. But that being said, no, this is crazy, though. I can't believe a group of five team actually made it to the playoffs. And Cincinnati's, like, as much as I don't like them for beating Notre Dame, they're a pretty good football team. Uh, They're balanced on both sides of the ball, have a good running game, good quarterback, and a good, really, really good defense. Yeah, I think the theme of the playoffs this year is in both games, it's strength on strength. Yeah. First, both of these teams are defensive teams, but for Alabama, I think it's more up front and especially at that that linebacker level as well. For Cincinnati, it's that secondary. They got two amazing cornerbacks and Alabama's strength on offense is definitely through Bryce Young and the passing game. I'm so excited to see that matchup, especially Jamison Williams versus uh, both those corners. Because, I mean, no one's really been guarding Jamison all year. And no one's really been able to score on Kobe Bryant and Sauce Gardner all year. So that's going to be so interesting. Someone has a break or give in. Yeah, I would have loved to see Mechie and Anderson yes. against oh. Kobe Bryant and Gardner. but I totally agree. Yeah, I feel bad Mechie tore his ACL in the SEC championship and oh, man. missed this game. Oh man. Seeing Mechie versus like Kobe and then like Jameson versus Sauce, that that's just too good. Now they get the rest between taking shots at Jameson. So I mean it's not as fun, you know, than seeing that one on ones. Yeah. I mean, overall though, Alabama has probably the two best players in the game with Will Anderson and Bryce Young. Bryce Young has been absolutely amazing and I mean Heisman winner. Exactly. He's the only really, really good quarterback of any of the four playoff teams. Like, Bryce Young is such an elite quarterback. And don't take me wrong, Desmond Ritter's pretty good. But, like, Bryce Young, like, makes plays out of nothing. And you saw him pick apart that Georgia defense. It seemed like he couldn't make the wrong decision at any point in the game. Yeah, it's amazing how, how like, composed he looks for a first-year starter. Exactly, yeah. One other matchup that I'll be watching during this game is how either offensive line is going to deal with the opposing team's defensive line because both Bama and Cincinnati have pretty decent defensive lines. I, I just don't know who on Cincinnati's wants to try to block Will Anderson because he's an absolute machine coming into the backfield. On the opposite side for Alabama, they're going to have to block my Jay Sanders and he's on the opposite end of Alabama's first round offensive tackle, Evan Neal. He's ducking Evan Neal. He doesn't have to go against him. Yeah, Mike Sanders uh, projected as a second-round pick, so he's no joke either. And pairing him up with those corners, I mean, is no surprise that Cincinnati's defense is so good. I mean, there's really not that many holes in this Alabama team, so Cincinnati has to play like a near-perfect game if they want to even like keep up with them. 
I am impressed that Cincinnati has some really elite talent when you talk about like Desmond Ritter and Ford and Bryant and Gardner and like Maji Sanders. Like those five are like really, really good. But I just think the thing about Alabama is they have like like a bunch of talented four or five stars all around the roster. Like like that whole defense. We've seen it. Every year they go to the playoffs, the entire defense is NFL caliber. I mean, there's no holes. Cincinnati doesn't have the luxury of being able exactly. to have a stud literally at every position. When you're as experienced as like Nick Saban is in these situations, if you have even the tiniest weakness or hole in your team, you're getting exposed. So And don't give Nick Saban this much time to prepare for you. Like that's the biggest thing everybody yeah, that's cares the other about. Thing. And actually, you know, one of the players that gets really slept on on the Alabama, I mean, the thing is Alabama has stars everywhere. But uh, Jordan Battle, who had a pick six against Georgia, safety, he's projected as being a second-round pick. And then they also have that freshman, Kool-Aid McKinstry. I mean, not saying that those guys are going to be the big difference makers, but I'm just saying that, for example, these just have like names that no one even knows that are really, really good because they're just so star-studded. You'll know them in a couple years. Yeah, you'll know them in the NFL. Yeah, exactly. It's amazing. And for as good as Cincinnati's defense is, don't think they're as good as Georgia's. No, they're right? not. And yeah. what did what did we see? Bryce Young picked apart Georgia. Exactly. I mean, they put a 41 on Georgia. What do you think they're going to do to Cincinnati? I want to say 41, but I really do what is I really do think Sauce Gardner and Kobe Bryant are better corners than anyone Georgia has. Uh, that's true too though. But I don't know. But I I actually think the big thing is I think Alabama's defense is going to have more success against Cincinnati's offense, especially if Alabama scores early and Cincinnati tries to force things. Yeah, yeah, no, Cincinnati cannot make any mistakes if they want to stay in this game. Mm-hmm. And bold prediction, not bold, but I actually think Sauce Gardner gives up his first touchdown against if he's paired against Jamison Williams. Wow, yeah. The crazy thing about him, I saw the stat earlier today, he's only given up 17 catches and 117 yards this whole season. That's crazy. Because, first of all, only giving up 17 receptions means you're giving up about a pass a game. But the 117 yards means that he's giving up all his passes, like five to six yards on average. Or, like, yeah, seven. All, yeah. all, like, short down stuff underneath. Exactly. Which, I mean, he's definitely the definition of a lockdown corner. But, I mean, the thing about Javis is he's, he's just so fast that you can't really, even if you're a really good quarter, you just can't keep up with him. That's he's true. scary fast. I think even if Gardner doesn't give up a touchdown, everyone else on the defense will be giving up touchdowns. <laughs> That's true. All right. Vegas does not really agree with Will Anderson. They got Bama by two touchdowns. What do you think? <laughs> I think Bama covers. I think I was gonna say I think they cover. Yeah. I don't think it's gonna be like like a huge blowout, but I think they win by uh I mean I say this, but I feel like they're gonna win by three touchdowns. Well the thing is, if we look at last year's playoffs in the semifinals, Bama got paired up against Notre Dame, and that game was over by halftime, but they just didn't run it up. Yeah. So I think it ended up 31-17, but that game was not anywhere close to a 31 or 31-14 or something like that. Yeah. So if they do that, maybe it doesn't end up three touchdowns, but if if they're, both teams are playing to the end, yeah, it's three touchdowns. Talk about last year's team. I don't think this year's Alabama's team's quite as good as last year's Alabama team, but I don't think their competition really requires. Like, I think they just had to beat their competition. That's all they had to do to win a championship. If I was to make a projection, I, I want to say it's around the same score as last year's game. I think Cincinnati's defense slows them down, but 
Alabama's defense is going to be surprising this game. I think I think Alabama's defense gets better after like this part of the season when Coach Saban gets more time to see the other team's film. Yeah, I mean he he's a defensive minded coach as well, so I'm sure they they have a bunch of talent, and I'm sure the town's ready to go crazy. Will Anderson, especially, I think it's going to be a lower scoring game. And Bama wins. And then the final New Year's Six Bowl, we got the Orange Bowl, also on New Year's Eve, later that night. Number three Georgia against number two Michigan. Both teams twelve and one. So Michigan's been gaining some serious momentum towards the end of the year. Big wins over bitter rivals Ohio State, and then dominant performance in the Big Ten championship. Meanwhile, Georgia will be looking to bounce back to a loss in the SEC championship against Alabama. They're going to be hungry to show that they belong in the playoffs. I think this is going to be a close game. Right now, the line is Georgia by seven and a half. That's a big line because I, I do think it's going to be closer than that because that Michigan team is so good. They're hot right now. Yeah. And this game is also, this is the most like strength on strength game I think there is. Both teams, Michigan run offense versus Georgia run defense is like pure strength against pure strength. Who who has really stopped Hassan Haskins and Blake Corum all year? I don't think really anybody except maybe Wisconsin slowed him down a little bit, but like they still destroyed Wisconsin. But I mean, who's really ran on Georgia? I don't actually think anybody's ran on Georgia. Not even Bama's ran on Georgia. So it is going to be really interesting. Yeah, so Michigan comes into this game 18th in the country in yards, about 451 yards per game, 10th in the country in rushing yards per game at 223. Georgia's defense, on the other hand, has only been given up about 81 yards per game on the year. That's good for third. And first in points per game at 9.5. And that's after it got skewed by Alabama hanging 41 on him last week. So before that, it was like six or seven. I guess if you take out what Alabama did to Georgia, no one really thought that Georgia's defense was like beatable by any means. They were not touched yeah, they were all up, year. Like, what, did you say six points a game before the Bama? Mm-hmm. That's that's insane. I mean, even after the Bama, they're giving up less than double digits, which is so crazy. So, I mean, the Georgia defense, I think, has a slight upper hand here, even though that Michigan rush offense is crazy good. I mean, there's just not much room to run on these guys because everybody on that team is big. I mean, that Georgia defensive line by itself, you got Trayvon Walker, you got Jordan Davis is huge, and then you got Dean on the edge, a Buckus Award winner. Yeah, oh man. Even on the flip side, when you're talking Georgia offense, Michigan defense, Michigan's defense, definitely their strong point is their D-line with Aiden Hutchinson and Ajobo. Who both had a chance. I know I know Hutchinson has a Michigan record for most sacks, but Ajobo, Ajabo was in the uh it was in the contention for that record too. I think he was he ended up like third or something like that. He was three sacks behind Hutchinson. Yeah. So I I I don't know. I think the sack record was like Twelve or thirteen, and he—I mean—he ended up at eleven. So he was in—he's—he could definitely still hit it by the end of the season. Yeah, and then Georgia's strength on offense is their run game. Although their pass game is pretty good too, especially with how good we've seen Bennett get with more reps over the year. And I think they got the top tight end in the country probably, and and Brock Bowers, and he's still a freshman. And Bowers is insane. He's just like the future Travis Kelsey. He's a big target. Uh, I mean, he and he's gonna be a matchup nightmare, and. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure George Pickens is going to play. Uh, Pickens, he's a former five-star receiver who had an insane year last year. He didn't play all year because he tore his ACL, but 
conveniently was recovered right before the Bama game. I mean, he didn't do much during that Bama game because it was his first game back. But I think he's going to be a factor this game. Yeah, he's a speedster too. So, Which basically what I'm trying to get at is I think that Georgia's offense is going to be a little better than what they showed against Alabama. Do you think Michigan's defense is as good as Alabama's? I honestly think Alabama's defense is better than Georgia, than Michigan's. Oh, that's that's an interesting question. I don't know who's better. Because numbers say Michigan is probably better, right? Talent-wise, I think Alabama as a whole is more talented than Michigan. So I don't... Okay, no. Alabama's defense is better than Michigan's, but it's close. Okay, yeah. Even if we say they're comparable, Alabama did a decent job at, at holding Georgia. So if if they can hold Georgia, I think this game ends up actually low scoring too because yeah, I think Georgia's gonna be able to slow down Hassan Haskins and Blake Corum in the run game, and they're gonna have to rely on passing the ball, which definitely is not what their offense is built for. They're a very good run team, and then on the opposite side, I think I think Georgia has some success running the game. I think they have a better time controlling the game and the tempo of the game than than Michigan. I do too. And honestly, I think the good thing about Georgia is that they could run the ball fairly well, which if you're an edge rusher like Ajabo and like Hutchinson, yes, you could defend against the run, but chasing down a running back is more tiring than going for the pass rusher. What I'm trying to say is, you know, they could combat the pa- relentless pass rush by Michigan by, you know, just running the ball more. Yeah, right the middle. yeah exactly. Because both of them are edge rushers. So just go down the middle. I mean, obviously it's not that easy. I'm sure Michigan will make adjustments, adjustments, but there's that, but there's also just, I think as a team, Georgia has a lot to prove because all year everyone's telling them they're unbeatable. No one's going to touch them. And they were pretty much right because Georgia pretty much blew out everybody they played. But then comes Bama and they blew them out. Exactly. And now people are hearing some doubts from Georgia. They're like, can they even beat Michigan? Michigan's the real deal. I think Georgia has a lot to prove in this game. And I think the defense, especially in Georgia, I think they're going to go crazy against Haskins and Corum and I don't I think Michigan's quarterback of all four quarterbacks uh is the worst in the playoffs yeah good luck running against Jordan Davis big old 340 pound (laughs) he'll eat you alive he literally fills up the whole middle of the line exactly and what are you gonna do run on the outside well the Kobe D's gonna change you got Dean and yeah (laughs) he's sideline to sideline he's crazy athlete too yeah I mean like I like saying this but i We'll say Hassan Haskins is a really, really good running back. Like he breaks tackles, he's physical, and I think Michigan's offensive line as a unit is one of the best in the country. And then even Corum is pretty explosive. He has a little over one out of every seven runs goes for over ten yards. That's pretty good. Oh yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, and I think I saw the stat earlier. I don't remember the exact percent, but I'm pretty sure it was like. 47% of his yards on the year are like breakaway yards, like after he's got past everyone. I mean, but the thing is, I don't see that happening against this Georgia defense, though. They need it, though. Michigan will need it. Yeah, true. They'll need a big play like that for sure. It'll make Georgia like back off a little because if they're successfully just clogging up everything, not letting you do anything, it's going to get harder and harder because they're just going to keep coming at you. Yeah. You need to like break off like a, a big run or like a nice like a first down run, 15, 20 yard run every once in a while to like make them back off a little. I totally agree. Yeah, make them play less aggressive. I think Michigan's defense is going to honestly struggle to slow down uh, Georgia's offense. I say that because I'm looking at the Ohio State game. Even though they won convincingly, 
They gave up 458 yards to Ohio State. Now, given Ohio State's the best offense. But they kept them out of the end zone. Yeah, they kept them out of the end zone. Because Ohio State, though, is a team that, like, spreads the field. They throw the ball a lot. But the thing about Georgia is if they get in the red zone, I think they could score. They have an equally physical offensive line and some really good running backs. Yeah. I think they're more balanced between the run and pass. Mm, So we got Vegas saying Georgia 7.5. What do you think? I, I really like Michigan, though. I don't want to just say they get destroyed, but I think we're going to see Bama and Georgia again. And you think seven and a half though by seven and a half? That, that's a real question. Yeah, I, I'm already speaking Georgia, but I don't know if they get that. I think I say yes. I yeah, I yeah. say I say yes. I think <laughs> yeah. I think it's yeah, between. I, I think Georgia by ten to fourteen. I think this game. Ha- like, I don't want to predict this, but. I, I definitely want to say this. If Georgia plays the game that they're supposed to, which is lockdown defense, especially against the run game, Michigan's going to be forced to pass, and I think they're going to make some bad decisions. I think this game has potential to be a blowout, which I don't want to predict that because I know Michigan's a really good team. But if Georgia clicks in the ways they're supposed to, they can blow them out. And, I mean, to be really fair to Georgia, they blowed out everybody they played except Alabama. Mm-hmm. thing is also, I also want to say that Harbaugh – never shows up in the big games and he always like he he always is bad when it's like a, a must-win game except this year though like he, he he showed up against ohio state right it was the first time he's ever beat them at michigan yeah and then even i gotta give them credit in the big 10 championship i thought it'd be a little a lot closer they completely blew out iowa yeah so is this a new jim harbaugh i totally agree that was like what what happened there and maybe this Michigan team just straight up got better as the season progressed. That's why I'm really hesitant to say it's going to be a blowout because this Michigan team looks scary as of late. And I think I'm going to look stupid if I pick a blowout from <laughs> Georgia, <laughs> especially if Michigan ends up doing the other thing. I see blowout potential either way. I think whoever really gets momentum can blow the other team out. Actually, no, I don't think Michigan blows out Georgia. What am I saying? No, yeah, I think I I'm saying Georgia in the ten to fourteen point range. Yeah, I'd say that's the safest. But I want to say ten to fourteen with a potential if a couple things go their way to be a lot more. But ten to fourteen is safe. Okay, okay, nice. So we got all these games will be coming up over the next couple of days. I think we got a lot of good games here, and it's gonna be exciting. I think so. We're both predicting a SEC. Rematch for the championship, Bama Georgia. Yeah, which which is crazy because as of right now, as we speak, uh, none of the SEC teams have won a bowl game yet. They're winless. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Uh, interestingly enough, they're like zero and four now. But we will be back next week. We'll be taking a look at who actually wins these games and getting ready for the national championship. And we will also be back with more NFL news.